people looking up uh eddie van halen and van halen in general there's like this resurgence of a renaissance yeah yeah people i think miss eddie van halen mm. you know he uh, he left we all miss soon him. and his legacy you know and i was um, really i was really hoping while you're playing that that hmm? mr brummer was gonna you know possess david lee roth and jump up and do the splits up in the air kind of thing yeah. like diamond david on on stage you know oh, yeah. exactly. and start singing in my best bar mitzvah voice yes <laughs> yes that's what i was hoping for and that's what our audience was hoping for yeah oh, yeah <laughs> all negative 10 <laughs> is van halen um pretty popular at uh, bar mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs it was during my era yeah really Okay, what do they play? They play like jump or yeah, there's, always that section of the, there's always that section of the reception where they like play the hard rock for the kids, you know? That's right. Oh yeah. Yes. Here's something for the kids. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> and grandma sits down for a while and you know, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Takes yeah. a rest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Waits, waits for, the, for the next song. <laughs> that makes oh sense. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, what's yeah, up yeah. guys? Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to IoT Coffee Talk. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, ta- you know th- we're just here for fun. Uh, take our comments and invest at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Entirely not, in- you know, what we're doing is entirely not intended for that stuff. We are not licensed oh. financial advisors or whatever you're supposed That's to right. say. We are not licensed. Like that. Yes. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I realize that we we have an audio podcast um, that Rob maintains, and uh, you know we have this disclaimer up on top. I forget how it reads. It's pretty funny though. But yeah, we're just here screwing around, people. So exactly, but seriously. But please take it seriously, so you keep listening and thinking that we're relevant to tech mm-hmm. industry. So oh, no, no, I didn't say that we weren't in that regard. I want to start off. I want to. I want to kick things off. This will be kind of a somber note, but you. All right. So, I, I was reading a post. You know, Brian Solis, and he was he was posting something from from the you know World Economic Forum at Davos, and it was an interview with Mustafa Suleiman, the guy who started DeepMind. Oh yeah. And you've been probably reading his book and everything. All right. It, it's kind of what you know, but. It, it's interesting when they just come right out and say it related to AI. So I'll, I'll just read it word from word. You know, session from World Economic Forum in Davos. They said the quiet part out loud this time. AI is coming for your jobs. Uh, inter- interview with CNBC DeepMind co-founder Mustafa Suleiman was asked if AI was going to replace humans in the workplace. This was his answer. I think in the long term, over many decades, we have to think very hard about how we integrate these tools because left completely to the market, these are fundamentally labor-replacing tools. And he's right. Let's get that part out of the way. Left to their own devices, executives naturally gravitate towards what they know, automation and cost-cutting to increase margins and profitability. 
<clears throat> to change their perspectives and their insights and what drives KPIs. Um, anyway, you can imagine the rest of the deal. I know lots of people try to say, oh, no, it's going to help us or it's going to whatever, you know, this generative AI. But, um, but you know, this is from one of the people who, who's co-created yeah. all this stuff. And it, it's kind of stuff we kind of know. And we kind of go in when it's going to happen, or maybe it won't happen to me, or I don't know. Right. Yeah. But you know what? Um, I really got to look into this. Yeah, it is somber. But then I think there's some countervailing forces that are going to start to um, push back on a lot of, the, a lot of uh, you know, um, uh, those types of dynamics that uh, AI might introduced into the job market. I think it's just the general trust in all things digital. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed in banking, uh, just as a consumer, the number of denied transactions of pretty low amounts, you know, uh, is increasing. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have to call the bank now just to Pay my wife, or you know, um, get, uh, you know, send her a transfer of money. I mean, it's out of this world. I don't know if you guys are experiencing it as well, but uh, you know, uh, in the past two years, and I would say year and a half, the the number of times that the bank has transitioned or aug- what apparently is augmented their security procedures and protocols is kind of mind boggling for me. You know, I'm always get these notices and I think, you know, I I think these technologies are actually going to uh, force us to go back into person because we, you know, we, we transact primarily between people. Yeah, sure. You know, I just uh, got off a a Cisco, uh, you know, analyst briefing. Sure. More machines are talking to each other. But how many are actually transacting with each other outside of, let's say, you know, Wall Street, right? Um, we the majority of uh, of uh, commercial transactions still happen between people and entities represented by people. But if you can't trust, uh, you know, the counterpart. Uh, you know, maybe uh, physical banks are going to become a thing because they keep asking me to come into the 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 yeah. branch. You know, yeah, but Leonard. Last week, I had a deposit. I had a deposit a customer's check into my Wells Fargo account last week, uh-huh. and the systems were down. Oh, it took fifteen oh, well, minutes for the teller to write thirteen pieces of paper to verify my deposit. I wasn't even taking any money out of it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. so it sounds good, but feels bad sometimes. <clears throat> well, it's, I don't you know, know. there's a big that dependency that people are taking on. I, no, I, I think it's like, if, I, if you haven't read The Coming Wave, I would suggest reading it because I think it's, he actually ends the book with a number of really pretty good ideas that I think definitely will happen around, you know, more, we talked about joking about licensing, but licensing, regulatory, auditing, transparency, you know, things like that in the AI world where currently it's, it's, you know, caveat, you know, basically everyone's kind of running as fast as they can. Even open AI is admitting that they're using copyrighted materials to, you know, generate value for their, for their offerings, which kind of makes no sense. So I think it's, it's going to typically come to a head. There's got to be some sort of, um, you know, it's not pure containment per se, but more, more, um, just more guardrails around the use of the tech. And then 
I think to Rob's point, as he mentioned, the the gravitational pull for companies is to either make money or cut costs. And yeah. if they can use AI to cut costs, hopefully they'll use it to make money too. I mean, that's just inevitable. Um, and maybe that so, generates some other new jobs. Maybe that's wishful thinking. It depends on what the job is. So but. What, are, what are all of you seeing on college campuses around the a course or the education of college students in AI? Is, are they teaching them to be part of the industry and learn what to I mean, what are you guys seeing? Well, I haven't seen anyone with a prompt engineering undergraduate degree yet program, but uh, <laughs> right. I think it's a mixed bag right now, right? I mean, but that's, a, that's an important point because to some extent in the past, AI was still kind of reserved to the tech that could code Python and SQL. Now it's natural language. So it's open to more people. Now, obviously, you still have to build those models, but it is open to more people. So if we make it simple to get, you know, a baseline model, open source, and then you feed it more text and it gets a better model, anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. So that may create a counterbalance to this, you know, only the tech world, because it can be used as a defense tool from the people whose job might, you know, disappear. Right. Well, I'm sure a lot of students are very used to generative AI at this point in terms of writing papers. <laughs> exactly. For the wrong reasons. <laughs> but it's good. There's exactly. But that's, that's good. That's good, you know, because you're getting their hands, hands on it. Some, I mean, I guess it depends on the, the grade level or, you know, where you are in your educational development process. I mean, uh, you know. The, uh, yeah, I think what is ridiculous is when people say, hey, you know, you can use uh, ChatGPT uh, to summarize books and, uh, and uh, you know, increase your learning productivity, whatever the hell that means. Uh, the thing is, is that if you rob people of the opportunity to synthesize things, which is like how you develop critical thinking capabilities. Sure. What, what kind of people are, gonna, are we going to get graduating out of uh, high school even? Well, uh, you know, forget about college. By that time, they're going to be they're going to ha- rely on tools. OK, AI is a tool to do the, the, the important thinking, you know. But Leonard, are you saying that we teach well how to do critical thinkings now without tech? That's what really, really is. It sucks. Right now, we have a cut and paste culture. And I've seen it, you know, as a partner principal with uh, some of the leading, uh, you know, SIs and uh, consulting firms. I, I, I've seen the the, the quality of uh, generations and uh, how it's changed over time. And I'll tell you, um, the cut and paste culture, uh, you know, robs people of uh, right. the ability to think. Although I would say, like, there is a... I mean, literally, I, I would get reports and, you know, drafts of analysis that were Google searched. Yeah. You know, and, but I, yeah, I think we like, had a pre- predecessor of this though. In like um, when Google search became much more mature and capable, I know in my own kids' classes there was a lot of focus on how to best use that and how to source your references and how to apply critical thinking skills with you know search engines as a tool. And so I think schools are starting to sort of like they've already been sort of figuring out how to integrate that into their curriculum. Hopefully they'll figure out the same way, like how we but use AI. But to, that's only if a teacher actually understands oh yeah. what's I mean, going on, right? I mean, sure. if, they, if they're scared of it and don't understand it, they're yeah. no way going to judge a kid. Sure. No, I agree. I mean, it's got to be yeah. a good teacher. It's got to be a, a school that cares. And, you know, unfortunately, 
that's not always the case. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like simple math. You, you know, when you're teaching math to a child for the first time, do you give them a calculator? I don't know. Do you? I don't know. Does that help them? Does that really help them understand how to do math, like division, multiple? Although they, you know, back in the day, everyone said when calculators came out, they're like, "Oh, people are going to lose their brain cells because they won't be doing long division in their head anymore, or whatever." And they kind of so there was there's a little they bit. They kind of have, I dude, I well, can't I can't remember stuff because I have like a friggin' smartphone. <laughs> we did offload half our brains to our yeah. smartphone. <laughs> we become lazy. We succumb to convenience and there's a consequence for that over time and like my wife she does that sudoku stuff dude she can do like crazy stuff with uh you know um math in her head i can't do that i simply cannot do that i have to go uh, uh, you can play sudoku on your phone and then you'll learn my calculator or my smartphone I, I always I go back to my looking at my grandmother in her bakery in Elizabeth, New Jersey, who would fire high school kids if they weren't able to calculate in their head how much three rolls were, four cookies were, and a loaf of bread plus the tax in their head. No calculators anywhere in that bakery. And my grandmother would fire you, dumb you. I go. I knew no English coming into Ellis Island. I you gotta know math in your head. <laughs> My grandmother yelling at these girls, dude. I'm telling you, and, and you know they have these Russian math schools where they <laughs> have to do math. They don't give you a freaking calculator. Exactly. And, they, and these kids end up as they go through uh, their, uh, you know, junior high and high school, just being able to do math in their head. Yeah. And right. uh, if you ever wonder why everyone goes to Russia for mathematicians and scientists is well number one you have to be pretty good at math to be a scientist a really good scientist mm. and they tr- they know how to do math but it's yeah. not with a calculator it's like you yeah. actually understand math logically right? how it works yeah it's programmed into your brain you, what you is, carry the to me to this Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe there's that maybe that and that's one of the opportunities moving forward for for young people is that there'll be those folks that do like those kind of you know, intellectual shortcuts and other folks that can yeah. be more valuable to organizations because they can have that kind of critical thinking and logical thinking skills. And, you know, I guess parents need to be on the lookout to make sure their kids are educated to to be productive. But uh, yeah. Yeah. inevitably, yeah, I mean, this all there is a gravitational pull toward shortcuts and copy and paste and stuff like that. And I think it's been there all the time. It's just the tech has gotten better and better at doing it. It's got, yeah, yeah, it's got, and then it's, it's starting to infringe upon or impact uh, different uh, new areas of uh, our, our, our cognitive selves, you know, as humans. And well, I used a form actually, of ChatGPT when I was in grade school, I used to like read the back of the book jacket for the book report. And like, then I would, Give my book report based on whatever it said on the inside of the book jacket. I mean, you know, well, considering that Pete, you and I are the only one that actually understands what a cliff notes. note is. Cliff notes, cliff notes was our chat GPT. Exactly. Yeah, lots and of people they, don't use cliff notes for the. We turned out okay. Sure, we turned out. Well, it's funny. I was talking to a CTO friend of mine, and he's teaching his teenage kids about chat and how to use it in a reasonable, responsible way. And he had to do a report for school did the report using some chat stuff, brought it in. The teacher brought him into the principal's office for plagiarism. 
called my buddy, the CTO, into school. They sat down, and he turned around to the teacher and said, so how old are you? And she goes, I'm 52 years old. Goes, so when you were in grade school, did you ever go to the library? Did you ever look at microfiche? Did you ever do any kind of research or anything else? Did you use that in your reports? Well, you were plagiarizing back then, too, if you want to look at it, you know, from a equality standpoint. Nah, it's yeah. different. As long as you were referencing, it's okay. It's different. It, it's, you know, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to tell you, um, because of Cliff Notes, uh, in many instances, which I used occasionally, I didn't use it all the time. Uh, I'm less well wet, uh, I'm less well read, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. because I missed the opportunity of actually reading through the entire book and then uh, picking up on the nuances. So what what happens sure. is you don't retain no, I agree. that uh, anything, quite honestly. Right. You know, Virginia Woolf. Yeah. Okay. I used the cliff notes for that because it sounds you were afraid of her. Damn it. Book. Right. And guess what? Know nothing about it. Don't remember anything. And that, that I don't know. That's lots, impact. Of, lots of kids also did. Um, yeah. Lots of movies were made by these books. And so a lot of kids would just right. go watch them. Although movie. I, I read Beowulf cover to cover and I still don't understand what was going on in there. <laughs> Adapted <laughs> screenplays that are oftentimes only, tw- you know, like maybe 20%. <laughs> That Beowulf oh, thing, that's when they were trying to teach us old English or whatever. Yeah, that was tough. English. <laughs> Canterbury yeah, was, Tales. I mean, you know. Yeah, Canterbury know. Tales, right. Exactly. I read it, but I don't think it helped me. <laughs> exactly. Did you remember sports books if you were into that? Did you remember music books if you were into that? I mean, because your interest was high, then you read it and you remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's but cool. it is a good, good life lesson is like you should always be reading a book. I always try to have one book in... You know, yeah. every couple of weeks, read a book. It's not that hard. It's a good, instead of scrolling on doom scrolling on your phone, right? Stop yourself, read 10, 20 pages of a book. You'll, you'll be happier about it. Yeah. I had a conversation with a whole group of people saying, when you get on Sunday, your screen time and what you spent on the last week, it should be lower than the week before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Or it's a wisdom yeah, there. It's making me feel really bad. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of us are doom scrolling about AI taking over the planet and no jobs yeah. and all in poverty. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you can just be, you know, it's just going to be a competition for generating crap. I'm going to go you take know, the building but, class. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, dude. Dude. Well, you, you, yes. you would make go it Go and cut hair, man. <laughs> you, would make it, you would make a lot of money in France for that because we, as we started the shop. We stop investing in nuclear reactors and powers, and we can't find the welders anymore because it requires very specific welding skills, which are gone apparently. Right, right. Well, you know what? It's interesting. I had Ian Cutris on my uh, my podcast for Next Curve, and he made an interesting statement. Um, you know, actually, the data centers in the world are maxed out. Um, the big challenge now for generative AI is how do you get these massive uh, AI HPC systems? Uh, power efficient enough so that you can you can squeeze them in, you know. Because mm. so yeah. we're already constrained, we're already resource constrained, and um, so eventually this stuff is just simply going to hit a wall. And one of the questions, one of the questions I wanted you to ask him was, 
what if we got rid of the 80% of the data that's in, in the data centers that are useless pieces of information? Yep. I had that conversation at, um, you know, I went to Silver Linings. There was a gentleman, I forgot, he's going to kill me. Uh, see, this is the problem. This is, this is a good thing. By the way, I have a flip flown now. You're, you're over. I got the Motorola Razor Plus. It's oh. pretty cool. Yeah, look at Whoa. that. Wow. Yeah. Got to get the one that bends back. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, really nice phone. But anyway, um, what was I saying? Yeah, uh, exactly that. Yeah, you know, there's so much redundant shit all over the place. You know, think about CDN. There's duplicate copies of everything right. everywhere. Right. I, I, yeah, I think there'll be tools. I have. A, I know a guy has a company out in New York that does some kind of like uh, container hydration, dehydration technology. So they sort of can take your cloud instance and save you like 20, 30% on your cloud bills because they'll analyze what you're using and what you don't need. And they'll, they'll sort of dehydrate it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I think you're going to see a lot more... Uh, People, you're going to see uh, allocation and pricing differences on workloads pretty extreme. I know that some of the hyperscalers I've heard are already rationing AI workloads. Um, and so you're going to see pricing in there. You're going to see, uh, I think, people finding spare racks in strange places and moving workloads there. So you're going to see more virtualization of smaller edge data centers to complement the hyperscalers yeah. just because there isn't the space and the power. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a great opportunity for folks to build the kind of tools for orchestration, automation, you know, dehydration, all kinds of cool stuff to, to make as it work. You're back, right. There isn't enough. As we go back to on-prem, Pete, we're going to go back to on-prem. There aren't enough racks in the world and enough, <laughs> how, enough you know, electrons, basically, at this point to, to run all the workloads we need. So are we going to get in BYOR, bring your own rack? Yeah. BYOR. <laughs> Bring your own rack and plug it in. Yeah. There you go. I did see someone talking about having a online or whatever session on repatriation from the cloud or something um, like that back mm-hmm. to on-prem. Like yeah. that's some big thing. Yeah. I was One of the- a neighbor who does digital transformation, and he, he we've talked about it yesterday, actually. The yeah. idea that there are clients that of his CTOs that are sitting there going, you know what, why don't we just put a small rack in each one of our offices and just do it mm-hmm. out of that? Yeah, As but, a, but, but they're not doing that for everything. They're just, no. they're, they're, you know, one of the big, um, one of the big, um, drivers of this is FinOps, right? Uh, people actually yep. now have good visibility to how much they're spending in the, in the cloud for certain workloads and then being able to compare that with how much would it cost for us to run this thing uh, in-house, right? And so CIO is using yeah. that. But but the FinOps, my understanding is FinOps transactions, at least the serious FinOps transactions, require high security, low latency. They run on IBM, you know, mainframes, you know, with IBM chips and like the, 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 Wait, the fin, like high... Like the you know like the traders and stuff like that like really oh, no, high no, performance. No, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. You're talking like about like financial ops for your cloud. oh for yeah, yeah, yeah it's like all the tools that help you yeah, yeah. Uh, you Accounting, know it, it originates from CMP or a cloud management platform yeah, okay, but you know there's this right whole the cloud cost and performance visibility thing that. Yeah was actually at next curve i tried to promote a lot of this stuff 
mm. at the very beginning. It's just that people didn't know about it. Now, like companies, like a lot of the ITSM companies, like ServiceNow and mm. et cetera, et cetera, there it, it's becoming mainstream, right? And yeah. so when you look at managing a multi-cloud, um, you know, uh, portfolio, now you have tools to basically compare, um, mm-hmm. what, you know, the economics of uh, placing workloads and maintaining and running yeah, like arbitrage, in, uh, you know, with different uh, cloud partners, but also in-house. So, you know, hybrid right. cloud is a thing. You have a fabric. So you now you can make those assessments, whether or not you do it in a private cloud, on-prem, or in the public cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you got it's how else you got to negotiate with AWS, you know, on your on your monthly bill. Well, that, that was the whole idea. It's like clo- yeah. cloud brokerage and yeah. you know, cloud brokerage, yeah, arbitrage. That, that, well, you know, one of the things I know hyperscalers are doing right now is they're buying out all of these Bitcoin mining operations uh, that they can find, so that they can reuse those racks <laughs> uh, and that power for their AI workloads. Yeah. So. So maybe you, were, you invested heavily in, in a Bitcoin farm out in uh, eastern Washington or whatever. You're going to be in the money because that's going to turn into an Azure data center. Probably. Well, yeah, a lot of ASICs, though. It's uh, right in the barn. That, right, that, that shed right. behind the barn is now going to be uh, so, Azure. So cluster. I have an apple orchard and I have a barn with racks in them. Is that what I have? There you go. That's right. So always seeing the, the oh, there's IoT going out on the eastern uh, end of Washington. It so the IPC is going to be an AI rack in your barn. That's we found, <laughs> yeah. we found the use case for the IPC finally. Finally, <laughs> it's a rack. I love it's it. Not the PC, it's a rack. Maybe you should launch that the AI rack, the IoT coffee shop. Mm. Talk AI rack. I love AI the AI rack. rack. That's good. And we are uh, we're bringing more and more products to market right here. Right, we really are. Yeah, <laughs> your ideas began right yeah. here. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, folks, if you're a marketer. Well, you know, we we we, ideas. <laughs> we only need the idea and the critical thinking, and AI will do the rest. So, yeah. oh yeah, just it's the new model. You know it, what's incredible is we we do these uh, these rants without alcohol <laughs> in the morning. Isn't that maybe, we or, uh, um, maybe we should try whiz. <laughs> yeah, really, I think right. I think you're right. We might need to try that. Yeah, we do need to do a live version in a pub someplace and see where the conversation goes. But we do an IoT happy hour with uh, with one selection selection by Rob. That would be good. Live stream it. Wine tasting. Yeah, yeah. So who's going to MWC? Uh, One person. One One person? person? That's amazing. On the fence. Yeah. yeah, I'd go, but my oldest son is where uh, their wedding is literally the day before. Oh, really? Congratulations, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't make it, but I think about, you know, obviously IoT stars and all the stuff because yeah. pe- yeah. I've been having people reaching out to me asking about IoT stars and when are we getting together in Barcelona? And I'm like, uh, yeah, me yeah too. not going to yeah. make it. We got a national basketball tournament. There. Yeah, I'm going to miss you, dude. You're, 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 uh, this will be my first time to miss in a long time. Yeah, you're my my my. my I mean, I I rarely ever say this, but you're my partner in crime, dude. Oh, God. I'm gonna start crying. I'm for clapping. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh wow. I'm surprised that. So Steve, you're not going. No, first time in forever. Also. Uh. Yeah. yeah. See, you know. No. 
No three GSM for us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. this should, this should be a this should be a really really interesting year, just because it's so friggin' brutal. If you saw like the Ericsson um, results, yeah, bad, bad. That was that was brutal. Um, yeah, and then everyone's <laughs> anchoring their hopes on you know, Techco and what what's this other thing? Oh, um, talk so, about IoT stars, and he pops up. What the hell's that? Yeah, he just said the words IoT stars, and Mark appears. Unbelievable. We Imagine. are yeah. unbelievable. What a team. I love it. He, Mark's going, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> I don't think he can hear us. It's not connected yet, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. We have to use uh, sign language to communicate with them. Mark, Mark, what we're saying is literally we brought up IoT stars literally a minute ago for the yeah. first time <laughs> you pop up. Oh, oh yeah, what did you say yeah. about IoT stars? No, we were good just, or bad? Good. We were good. talking about it. I was, uh, I, I was saying I've had different friends reaching out. Hey, am I going to see you in MWC? Tell me about IoT stars. And I was just saying, I, I'm not going to be able to go because my oldest son's having getting married. We have a wedding that's so I can't go. Um, but people, but I've been telling people, make sure you go to IoT stars. You know, that's where it's at. Um, is there yeah, any? stars every Monday. What? Yeah, I didn't hear. You're, you're, That's sad. you're cutting audio. out. Yeah, your, your audio is cutting a little bit more. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Better. No? Yeah. Much better. So, so what, I, what I said is that Mackenzie organizes a, a, an event uh, on Monday, same time than IOD stars. Oh, really? Yeah. And you'll generate more people than them. Yeah, no one wants to listen to their crap. I don't, I, I don't know what they're going to say that we don't we talk about. Already said like three years ago, right? I mean, because honestly, we, seriously, seriously, yeah. and you know they're they're going to they're going to be saying stuff that we are telling people not to <laughs> believe. Don't do it for the next three years. So I, I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, for the the whole generative AI forecast, you know, BCG with their their. I mean, I'm starting to see that these um, numbers show up in uh, these promotional, um, you know, prompt engineering uh, promotions. You know, it's like, did you read the report? Did you critically think through how they came up with this stuff? Do you know what these words mean? It's, you know, the early studies on the impact of generative AI on productivity are so poorly done. It's not even funny yet. They're getting headlines, mm-hmm. you know, but then these are the, these are the, uh, this is the nonsense that's going to create the crash. Yeah. Right. It, 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 it's. And so, you know, if you want to make money in generative AI, the money is in getting paid to shill this nonsense. I mean, there's going to be great money in it, but where's the productivity? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, but I think what we'll see, the only time we'll really get productivity data back is after people really reuse some of this stuff for an extended period of time in their enterprise and can really show some data. And that's going to take time. You can't forecast that. You need to almost, yeah. you just need to collect it and analyze it and then look at it. And I think I know. This forecasting and, stuff is going to be nuts. And imagine how hard that is. Because mm-hmm. keep in mind, I used to work for the SIs and the consulting firms. 
Mm. The retrospectives, almost no one ever does. When you come up with these decks that say, hey, we had X, Y, you know, they have a huge challenge uh, attributing benefit. And it also behooves the, the client, all right, the customer company to say something yeah. good, that mm-hmm. they're... Their project right, to justify their purchase because they already sunk the money in. So it's like, well, let me right. show you how much, how smart I am right. by making this deal. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. So, I'm sure Microsoft will tout their co-pilot stats and have a bunch of case studies of <laughs> companies that went from 100 employees and they could lay off half their employees and be twice as productive with co-pilot. Uh, not even, dude. I made that thing hallucinate <laughs> so bad at CES. It's it's not even a joke. I mean, you know, hey, you can you can have it do uh, book your airline tickets is like, well, you know, um, get you a ticket that doesn't exist. You know, I mean, but, I, but, but you don't know what it was doing in front of product people hmm. that but, went, Holy crap. That's yeah, like, yeah, I, I, think the, I think the mystique comes from what I said earlier is that it's, it's again, it's a very crazy technology because it, it's actually not technology. It's language. So people can, it's this black box you talk to and you get something out. Yeah. So people don't understand how the black box works and they will never, but because it's language, you know, before, again, it was Python, it was SQL, it was C sharp, it was hell, it was uh, R, whatever crap, freaking statistical language. Now it's, oh, I talk to it, I write to it, it replies to me. So people are going to imagine whatever they want about it. Yeah, That's not really determined. So, and I, don't the, know. I mean, I think it is, a, I think it is the technology. It is. I mean, it's taking. Yeah, but it's, language yeah, but it's the accessibility it to do something. Yeah, but it's the accessibility of the technology. Before, if I'm a, no, a random person, say, "Oh, I need to go to all these language and containers and cloud and edge and all this crap, all techies." That, by the way, that's why I pay 400k per year. A guy do it for me. Now I can but just. The back end, there's all of that there as well, right? I mean, all of that kind of sits on the back end, and it and it still has to do that. It still has to draw from some level of microservices it still has to have some level of you know data access and everything so i mean yeah, but, i think separating separating yeah, bullshit the, from the tech is is yeah, uh, is, yeah. No, it's true I, i'm not saying this is wrong but well the, the other difference that we've we've we've, we've come with 20 years as a service so you you don't need to build the stuff the stuff is on shelf yeah now you and there's also this impression that you take the stuff on shelf you put more data and it gets better which is very little technical. No, I'm not saying it is. It is the perception. That's why people are going toward expert systems, uh, expert models. Um, you know, they, they get diluted, um, and then they become useless. The the thing is, um, you're absolutely right, dude. And we've been saying on IoT Coffee Talk forever. Maybe we keep saying it until it, you know, sinks into people's heads. We're not criticizing the technology. Technology is what it is. But we criticize the hype. Because the hype does damage. I mean, you want damage. I mean, look at where all of the U, the Western, uh, friggin', um, where all of the Western um, mobile wireless tech companies are today. They're uh, under the threat of disappearing. And Huawei, who ditched all of the 5G bullshit narrative for about three years ago, people don't know this, right? That's why you have to be there. You don't realize, rely on some stupid chatbot. They ditched this stuff three years ago, and they're, they're killing it. Then mm. everyone else is on life support is because they were drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. And they were making stupid bets. And you can't tell me that the hype 
doesn't cause a lot of problems. It right. doesn't, it in fact, destroys investor value, and it doesn't uplift productivity at all. Hmm. I mean, well, they call it Kool Aid for a reason, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Not but because it's a nutritious, so and satisfying drink, you know. Oh yeah, but there's a lot of people hooked on that stuff, right? Only in certain uh, camps. Yes. Yeah. No, I think it's like we, we we were kind of going into what's happening for MWC and Telco and Ericsson results and stuff. I think there's a lot of this. Nokia. You know, what I call it saving Telco from itself is um, one of the tenets of saving Telco from itself is dialing down the Futurama, dialing down the, yeah. the you know, getting much more practical exactly. and tangible about solving business problems and stop selling the future 10, 20 years from now and start solving the problems of today. And Telcos that do that, you know, that are solution mindset that are doing that are going to thrive. And why, why has open rank gone nowhere? Any of the, none of the vendors are doing well. I mean, why? Yeah. Well, because yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, transport is transport. You're at the lower level of the stack. I mean, you're moving bits. That's what you do. You're the plumbing, not saying that plumbing's not important, but right. damn it, you're not the reason why. Yeah, and, and, and you buy a dumb pipe, but I want a great pipe. So focus on that. Give me the greatest yeah, pipe. Yeah, being a great pipe, is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, before trying to sell me IoT and security services and True. MDM and all these things, which I've been trying for years. And which, which, Well, which, I think some, some telcos have a solution mindset and have, done a, have a P&L around that, and they can do a good job on it. And then other folks, you know, <clears throat> have a you know focus on the pipe, and I think you need to kind of choose your lane, like which one but you want to be. When they bring in their solutions to a lot of corporations, a lot of times they only want them to buy the pipe that they provide. Right. And a lot of people won't buy that. I mean, Mark knows this from a Telefonica scenario. They've tried, you know, for the last 10 years to deliver services in a variety of different yeah. ways to around IoT and have failed miserably because of that, you know, focus. No, you, no, I'm going to give you great solutions, but it's only going to be on my pipe so right. I can double dip. No, and that's that's not you know, and so that's where senior leadership needs to pick a lane and say either we're committed to a P and L that works or we're going to be a great pipe, yeah. <clears throat> but doing it kind of halfway is not not going to work. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's because they're trying to climb up the stack. They're trying to climb the ladder. Yeah, and yeah, say, trying to go up the stack, to get more margin value to that yep. pipe that we got out there. Right, and that and to your point, stay in your lane. No. Yeah. Identify your lane and yeah. be the best in your lane. Exactly. Yeah, I'd like to Identify. see you go to AT&T and, and uh, get a solution from them and say, hey, I want a multi-MZ SIM that works on T-Mobile and Verizon at the same time. Yeah. Hey, hey, don't give pipes a hard time. This is why I tell my son, is if it wasn't for pipes, your turd will never make it to the ocean. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't think we're arguing about uh, that. I had to tell him that because, you know, <laughs> we're trying to potty train him. He wanted to poop in his diaper all the time. So, uh, yeah, that's how I say, hey, yeah, if it wasn't for pipes. There you, you go. Because he was asking, where does this go? Series of tubes. There. And I say, right. it's the yeah. pipes, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I Bill, you you got to throw back on that. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, IoT Coffee Talk is now taking a full... 180 degrees. <laughs> Dude, you, you uh, come on, guys. Your kids, they told you some of the wisest things that you've ever heard. Mm. Yeah. Especially in our older age. I mean, that was you at some point. We just get dumber with age, apparently. So, mm. and more than analysts more. Or, or similar, similar level of analysts. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're right. No comment. But I mean, uh, you know, Steve, you you mentioned something that's interesting, right? Try to try to go to AT and T and ask them for you know uh, a multi carrier SIM, right? Uh, that you know that that's going to do. You know, I mean, if you look at what what the standards are doing across the board on that, right? So the whole you know soft SIM and being able to switch carriers and all of that stuff. I mean, it, it was one of those things. You either embrace it and become part of the right. part right. of the pool, or yeah. you will get ran the f over. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, and that's why so many of these NVNOs and multi MZ SIM third party Monogatos of the world and iBasis and all these guys are doing so well because right. they don't give you that problem. Well, they're right. over they, there living in the gap of the ugly. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Teal. Look at, look at yeah. I mean, I, I'll encourage anyone that's on a, on the telco side to kind of to kind of I mean, one of my one of my clients is going through this. So I kind of had to steer them in the right direction. SGP 32 and SGP 41 literally talk about the functionality and the reality of the soft sim and what is going to happen. Yep. It is going to happen. So you either jump on board or get ran the hell over. Well, you got to figure out how to use it with what you're selling. Correct. Right. Yes. Also, yes. the issue is telcos' uh, business models tend to be around subscriber ads. That's still their Our for success. Yeah, you're and, right. You know, in subscriber ad world, it's like you right. know, my solution or nothing, or right. you know, right. and that just that's doesn't work. For I know, like for example, Telstra, who's very successful, selling a solution provider, yeah. about half of their solutions are Wi-Fi only. That's right. That doesn't even use the telco tel, Telstra network, so they're just solving problems. And and they're a standalone PL and they do yeah. they do a really good job of it. But you have to embrace a solution mindset and solve the customer problem yep. and not just do subscriber ads. Yep. And that's hard for telcos to do. That's a yeah. that's a cultural well, that's they shift. Need. They need thought leadership to change that mindset. So right. That, you need executive leadership to yeah. change the mindset. No, a lot of you almost need to change executive yeah. leadership because yep. a lot of them have been in the game so long. And you know, I mean telcos, it's an ARPU based business. Not going to change. I don't care what it is that they say. I don't care if they partner up with Hulu or Netflix or anything like that. That's not your service. They're delivering that service across your pipe. So, I mean, at the end of the day, stay in your lane and be the best in your lane. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Lead some of this diversification as opposed to trying to dig your heels in and then get your legs pulled off from under you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's so true. Uh, And, uh, um, you just have to be true to yourself. That's why a lot of this whole tech, uh, you know, techco stuff just has, it's just a distraction and actually a really bad uh, detrimental distraction for operators, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to invest in becoming whatever the hell this techco thing. I saw this analyst firm publish some nonsense about that stuff. I was just like, wow, this is like, number one, have you ever really work with have you ever worked in the field or are you just like regurgitating academic bs right. it, 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 it you read this stuff and the prevailing um talk about techco and it's just so it, well, usually the folks pushing techco are the folks selling something that will that a techco exactly. needs and so yeah. you always have to yeah well yeah um, but it, it, it's not healthy for the it's not healthy for the operators right who really need to Invest in the network, evolve that, and then um, enhance their uh, competitiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yep. And so the fourteen you know, so, stuff is just a distraction. 
So Leonard, does a uh, Fortune 500 company buy AI and integrated solutions from a telco, from an operator? No. Hell no. Yeah. Never. No. I mean, somebody somebody said uh, MWC is going to be a cloud AI conference. It's like, unfortunately, oh, yeah, no. it might be, but that's not what it like, should be. Agreed. And yes, anybody sure. that's going in selling cloud and AI, unless it's, uh, it's something that's going to enhance the actual business of telecommunications, moving packets around, figuring worthless. But, I mean, but this is this is my thing. I mean, if you're uh, again, cloud and AI are a moot point unless you have that beautiful pipe. Gotta have the pipe. Flush, flush the pipe. Flush the pipe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, history repeats itself. I mean, I remember when I was at Good Technology, there was the same thing. All these network operators trying to sell mobile solutions. And our Wall Street customers, Bank of America, was telling us, please, please stop selling through them. We don't want to talk to them for a mobile app. We want to talk to you. We'll manage the pipe. So then they tried with IoT. So they tried with the cloud. <laughs> now they're trying with AI. Yeah. yeah. It's and I will, and um, Mark, Mark, on the please. edge, on the edge. Yeah, and the yeah. Edge. actually on the edge, I, th- I I would have thought that they might have actually a play because they are distributed by nature. So mm-hmm. you, you could do something because you really have an advantage there. But yeah, it's... yeah. but instead they're naughty by nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, seriously, you know, it, it gets totally ignored. Bill, you're right. Um, the the interconnect, the connectivity is just yeah. you know, I'm serious. Fundamental it boils down to get the doo doo. To the ocean, connect point A to B. Move know? that shit. Yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> again, it's about. It's about we, are, we are back to little points. <laughs> to the ocean. Move that shit. I'm Move gonna use that, that in a public conference one of these days, and they're gonna say, "Well, what do you think is the most important thing?" You know, going into 2025, it's like doo doo and getting that doo doo to the ocean. That's all that counts because nobody talks about it. Interconnect, even in a data center, people just like talk about the GPUs. If you can't connect these nodes together, you cannot scale this AI HPC compute. And doing that in an open way. I mean, if look, telcos, this was for free. Um, get by the standards and stop saying that you're, you know, you're, you're actually executing on them and stop building proprietary wrappers around these things. Mm-hmm. Leverage those damn standards for what they should be used for. If so, use IPSO standards. Uh, oh man, damn it. I mean, can we line ourselves on how to do firmware updates across the board? You do those things and deliver them as a service through your pipe. Implementation. Yep. Yeah. It's not Open about the technology. It's and then that's why none of these companies they 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 shouldn't try to become uh, technology companies because they can't scale it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and also point. to be a tech company, you need to be great at software and embrace software. And telcos not really software is not their bag. They don't hire for software. It's typically. not my bag, baby. Yeah, not your bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you you mean that if you want a, an expert in hardware and software, you don't go to Cisco? Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't. Uh, that's what that's what G tried. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't advise that at all. Bro. That's what we that's what we tried at G to build G Digital. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, no, no, I'm totally with you. Software is a, is a mystery for them. But you know, it's, it's with this all AI thing. I mean, it's, it's we, we're back to gold rush. You know, who's going to make money? The people mm. in the ships. People solve the problems. The, the money. The people that move the bits, not the people that find the gold. So the people that were selling shovels and and you know and, yeah. and equipment who made the money. So, so how yeah. would you reorganize Ericsson? Like they're upstream of the telcos. They're a kit maker. Mm-hmm. You know and. You know, their CEO, Boyer, has been sounding the alarm now <clears throat> since I was there about Europe is not moving fast enough to go to 5G. And it's like, well, yeah, but what he's really worried about is there's not enough people buying their kit to keep them in business. Yeah. And and so all of a sudden, 5G is stalled and Ericsson is suffering greatly. And they're they're chasing Nokia down the toilet bowl drain down the pipe and it's just happening. And then they did that crazy acquisition of Vonage and blew 6 billion of cash they had laying around for what, who knows? Although cradle point, I think that was a good buy. Cradle point was a good buy. Yeah. That was a good buy. That that was a, that was an example of where they got they you know Ericsson's in a great actually in a great position in terms of brand and no one gets fired for buying Ericsson and so they need to leverage that to help telcos kind of you know get to the next step like Bill was saying like get to a you know a highly optimized pipe and all these other things I don't know in terms of the product offering but you know getting more solution oriented for for telcos like with Cradle Point and things like that I think being very careful about how they do that but they're in a great kind of pole position in terms of brand and you know like you look at the affirmed and the meta switches and all these other folks over the years that have tried to get into that business i mean nokia and erickson are tight in that business so they need to somehow figure out how to leverage their strength it's a weird deal because they're in the pole position and yet they're trying both become penny stocks as fast as they can and And it's really those uh, hpe's core product against Nokia and Ericsson on purpose and having dealt with them and seeing how they're building their core offering. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Right. It's a little bit more. Well, that, that, that acquisition of uh, Juniper is a big deal. Everyone's been emphasizing the enterprise side of stuff, <laughs> but you know what? All the companies have been pivoting enterprise just because if the CEO was talking about telco, uh, they wouldn't be able to get the price that they got. Right. So it's really naive for people to think that this was just entirely an enterprise thing. I I provide a quote about this on Silver Linings. You know, uh, on the telco end of things, man, it it puts HPE in a really good place. I agree. And that was largely ignored by analysts um, because they were so fixated on the CEO's talking points. And it's like, Dude, there's you know there's so many companies that the messaging pivots as soon as something becomes slightly unpopular, but you have to think long term, you know, and you gotta you gotta think about these these Western uh, tech tech companies have to start thinking about how they're going to compete with Huawei because. Ericsson lost a lot of the late cycle, um, you know, stuff. Mm. Right, OSS, BSS, very light on it. They had there's a lot of competition uh, in that space, but digital transformation or modernization uh, of the 5G modernization is what has to happen now, uh, and and that's what greases the wheel. You don't just sit there and talk about the advanced stuff, hoping that eventually it's going to matter. 
yeah, it'll matter in 10 years, but you'll be dead by then. And that, that's a, and that's everything other than video content and digital content. Anyways, um, you know what? It, it all goes to you know when you follow the hype cycle, you lose, um, especially yes. the big guys. It, it hey, folks, I apologize. I need to jump for a funny. for a nine thirty. So yeah, right, I got to jump too. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us here on IoT Coffee Talk. Um, always love having you guys uh, watch our stuff and uh, not comment or like or in, in, in all that stuff, which we hope yes. you would do. Um, please support Indeed. us because we're going to do this regardless. We're going to consume as much of Google's YouTube server capacity and, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. And we're going to clog their pipes. Flush. 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 Until you flush that toilet. And we'd be recommended by uh, yeah, yeah. And remember, we we um, have a we're um, we sponsor Elevate Our Kids. Um, at, at please make a donation uh, to help bridge the digital equity divide at www.elevateourkids.org. And uh, you know what? We will see you next week for another exciting episode of IoT Coffee Talk. Cheers, y'all. Bye. Bye.